0: to Replant Bootcamp, the boots on the ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, a church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. 180 has just launched two new products that we think could really help your church. Stick around to the end of the podcast to hear more. Today, we've got a guest with us. Kerry Long, who's up in the mountains of West Virginia hunting some deer, and we're trying to get him on the hook. Sending some, send us some deer jerky once he's done. Make sure he gets a good catch.
1: Yeah, I love some deer jerky, and also a fan of deer sausage. So
2: okay, all right, yeah, we make we make all kinds of crazy things out of these deer, quesadillas, sausage, whatever, man. It's, it's good stuff. Man. Well,
0: Gary, yeah, Carrie's down in Louisiana, and so you know, in Louisiana, we'll eat anything. Meat is food. We got it. <laughs> <laughs> man,
1: what is up with you guys from Louisiana? I don't get it. All it's, right,
0: it's culture, Yeah. So, Carrie, tell us a little about uh, about where you're at and where you're <clears throat> serving. And
2: yeah, my name's Carrie Long, I'm serving as pastor at Northside Baptist in Slidell, Louisiana, which is home to me. I grew up in Slidell. My dad was in ministry in Slidell. Um, left for a few years to serve in Baton Rouge, and Uh, God called us back to Slidell in a way that we didn't really expect to be replanning, but was doing youth evangelism and kind of traveling around and filling full pits on Sundays and preaching camps and conferences some other times. And God opened the door for me to to serve in this particular church uh, once a month for 2 years while they were without a pastor to mm-hmm. get to know the people and you know obviously see the need for a replant they were calling it revitalization of course for 2 years I just said no 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 this is not it's not something that I'm interested in doing just over the course of that time just kind of fell in love with the idea of of God bringing something back to life and God sparking something in a group of people that didn't even know they were capable of um, being used in that way. So we started conversation and interviewed with them and told my wife, I'm just going to be one more guy that goes in there and tells them everything that needs to change and, and it's not going to work and they're going to like the idea. And I'm sure you guys have been through that. Yeah. And I sat down and, of course, got a committee of about seven people. Six of them are, are well into the senior adult years. And their first statement was, hey, we, we know some things have to change. What would you like to change?
1: and Mm -hmm. that kind of took
2: me off guard you know and, yeah, that's uh, a dangerous said, question, well, man. i really so, so my answer was I'd really like to hear um, really like to hear what you actually think needs to change before I go out and give my list. And and they they said, Well, we know we've gotta reach young people, we know we've gotta do you know, and they listed off some really, really valuable things um, without practical steps to make those valuable things happen. You know, we, we talked through some of it and, and left that meeting just kinda of open minded that, that this might actually be a possibility and then here we are six and a half years later and God's using it to do some some pretty awesome things you know we're growing our baptism numbers are, are reaching records every year for us we're we've got children's ministry that's that's blossoming and you know we're kind of turning the page to where this year we're hoping to be able to help some others replant and, and get involved in the process of you know others seeing God do what he's done with us it's just an exciting time for us and exciting to be used in in the way that he's allowed me to be used so far And in our core leadership we've got a great a great core leadership to to work with so
0: that's awesome now you said you've been there six and a half years right? Six and a half years, yeah. Summer will be seven. So, um, now wasn't your wasn't your brother, uh, Byron, wasn't he the worship leader for a little while there? No, he was actually that's a, that's an interesting story. He's he was worship leader at
2: North Shore Church, okay, which is in Sloddale as well. Um, it's about three, four miles away from us. Um, and it's not confusing at all. You know, they're North Shore, we're Northside. He's Byron Long, I'm Carrie Long. Byron stepped back about a year ago, he's a principal in one of our junior highs here. Okay. And so now he's kind of volunteering worship across town stuff like that. So
0: yeah, I know the Long brothers from college. We, we all went to the same college in South. Yeah, and
2: Bob, I'm not sure if you know this about Jimbo, but um, but Jimbo is he was a master of trash talk. Um, he, he was he 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 taught us he taught us how to raise the game of intimidating the opposing basketball teams. So <laughs> God. interesting.
1: Jimbo and I had a dinner one time at a place called Tractors. He broke down the story of Jimbo, and uh, it was an entertaining story for sure. Really yep. I
0: am not good at basketball, and we had intramural basketball. But you can talk. So we, we started a team. The name of the team was literally We Don't Know How to Play Basketball. That was the name of the team. <laughs> my, my goal every game was to foul out quickly as possible. <laughs> nice. and just master and we mastered trash talk I mean we mastered trash talk in heroes we mastered it at at the games when we would go to the William Carey basketball games definitely it was that was fun it it became one of those things if you had to play William Carey basketball you knew there was going to be a group of guys that was going to make your life difficult the whole time you were playing them
1: Man, that's awesome. And yeah. this was a Christian school, right? Just to kid Exactly. Yeah. It
2: was it was so eye opening for us that followed behind Jimbo. It was so eye opening. <laughs> yeah.
0: Wow, that was awesome. <laughs> me and me and Casey Williams. Yeah. He's a pastor in, in South Carolina now. Well good. Well, Carrie, tell us what your you had a great question you sent to us. Share that with us.
2: Yeah, my question, um, and it just stems from you know from our experience and we we found out real quick if people wanted to be in our church, they would have been there and so how do we make them want to be there um, and, and that kind of led me to ask what what are some practical ways that that your listeners might um, put into action to help change their image in the community
0: I mean that's a that's not an easy thing to do to change uh, the reputation of a church. you don't build a bad reputation overnight
1: and and you don't fix it overnight as well. It's so hard to to, to unlayer this one because it, it is complicated. So one of the first questions is what's created our bad reputation in the community. I, I think that's important for, for you to look at your history and kind of understand what the story of the church is. And isn't it funny how when a smaller setting you'll have Baptist churches that split off of another Baptist church and another Baptist church and another Baptist church. And most of them are like named unity Baptist or harmony Baptist or something like yeah, that. Yeah. You know, yeah. and <laughs> <laughs> there's, There ain't no harmony and there ain't no unity. You know, one of the things I think is just to kind of understand the history, but we've got a good friend, Keelan Cook, who's down at, he's he's down at the Union Baptist Association, and he does a a thing where he asks the community what they think about the church and what they understand about the church. So I think there's two things. One is, you know, Baptist circles are pretty small, and so you've got the Baptist reputation, the kind of the insider reputation. Uh, from people within the church system there in your local community. So that's one one aspect of a church's story. But there's also the outsiders. Like what what do people who don't go to church anywhere or community people, what do they what do they think about the church or what have they heard about the church? And so I think getting out into the community trying to understand what what church insiders and outsiders know and what community insiders and outsiders know about your church helps you really kind of get a a good picture of your church. Probably most of us have an idea of what we think the community thinks about us, but we may not actually know. That tool, uh, the four field Panorama that Keelan Cook
0: has uh, on his website. I recommend it all the time to people. It's man, that's a great resource, a way to think through uh, all those different perspectives. How, how do people in your church do things? And uh, I know people have used stuff like Transformational Church Assessment Tool to give you uh, kind of an idea of what the people inside the church feel about the church, where they stand on things. But the outsider piece, a lot of that is you know boots on the ground, walking around. Uh, having conversations, talk to local business owners, talk to uh, community leaders. What I like to do is, is hear, one, what are their thoughts of the church when they hear about it? But then the other thing is, you know, say, hey, if, if, if a church were to contribute to this community in a way that's beneficial, what would that look like? What, uh, in, in your opinion, as a community leader, what, what would it look like for a church to be an asset in the community? Uh, Brad O'Brien up in the Northeast when he investigated that and kind of looked at the history, he came across some things in his church that that really needed to be repentant of in the church. And he, uh, I remember him sharing a story where he they did a solemn assembly where they just kind of owned some of those things. And so I think depending on what you find in your history, what you know, what are the things that cause a bad reputation? Because there are things like, oh, that church is a you know a pastor killer. They just keep pastors for a year or so. That can be a bad reputation, or they don't really care about anybody. But sometimes there's things in, in there that's like, we have, you know, steeped racism in our church and there are like racist, like events that happened, like, or there are very negative things in the community that happen. And those may be, it might, might be wise to own that, repent of that in, in a way as well.
1: Yeah. Pro- and processing that information with the people, right? And so I think if you have a team of, of leaders like deacons or church council Process what you're discovering about the church's reputation in the community, what other people think of it. Processing that as a, as a group of people helps you understand something. Specifically, if you if you haven't been there for a long time as a pastor, they're going to be able to add some illustrative narrative to the to to the information that you're finding out. That really helps you kind of understand. And so I, I think that's great. And when you run across those things where where something has happened, where it's whether it's a an incident of prejudice, racism, abuse. Uh, financial mismanagement maybe somebody in the community has a bad reputation has done something in the community and become kind of estranged from the community they're part they're like a key part of the church all those sorts of things need to be thought through with great wisdom and prayer and consideration about how that impacts your church's reputation to the community one of the one of the things I think that we have a tendency to do is we might want to change the name of the church uh, just to get away from the old reputation and that's kind of like the bad cafe on the side of the road that uh, puts out the under new management sign like yeah. they still have the same bad food yeah. you know and yeah, the same we, we, service that sort of thing yeah
2: we were actually advised by that guy that said "Carrie, first thing i would do is i'd i'd meet somewhere else and let the grass grow up for 6 months and go back with a new name and, oh, and you wow. know I just it, it, it didn't to me that didn't feel like like what we were supposed to do as a church you know it felt like you know we we were supposed to bring something out of the ashes and you know and i i just i wanted to drive by there in 5 10 years and say You know, this was a true work of God among a group of 10 people who committed to, you know, to be different than they were last year and the year before. And that sounded like the easy way out, you know. And so we plugged at it with some of the suggestions you guys are going at and trying to be a better light in the community.
1: Yeah, Yeah, that redemptive, you know, redeeming the reputation shows the power of the gospel. Yeah, exactly. To change the church's reputation. So in many ways, what it does is it's a more beautiful picture of the change that Jesus can work in. Life. We shouldn't yeah. get away from that. We, we need to be wise in, in how we approach a name change or a, a venue change, location change. But I agree with you, Kerry. You're spot on there, man.
0: Yeah, I think it creates an opportunity for vulnerability and transparency, when you can own that and say, "Yes, that was us. That did happen. That was our, our church." But isn't that the beauty of the gospel? That doesn't have to be who we are moving forward. You know, that's it's the same thing with our testimony, right? When when we our testimony of getting to know Christ and coming to salvation doesn't erase our past, uh, it redeems it. We're able to go, "Yes, I was that idiot," and and now the Lord has been redeeming me. It, it actually, I think, if if you haven't changed the culture can damage you to change the name because everybody knows it's inauthentic. Um, right. and, and everybody knows that, it, I mean, there, there has to be an actual culture change.
1: Yeah. And that starts with the leader, uh, you know, the, the pastor addressing some of those problems from the past, but also paving a way towards the future. Right. Cause I think one of the things that's easy for us to do as replanters or revitalizers is we can go in and we can identify the, the bad things of the history of the church. We can, you know, we can pick out all the things that need to change. But it's hard for us then if we're so focused on those things to, to really provide a path of encouraging practical steps that people can take to redeem the reputation of the church. And so one, one of the things I think that's super helpful as a leader, particularly a leader for a replant or a revitalization is if you are invested and engaged in your community yep. and by community, um, I mean, school, youth sports, city council, Chamber of Commerce, all those sorts. I mean, just going and getting involved in in all of those things. And typically replanters will have kids and families. And so they, they have natural uh, opportunities to connect in schools. And so, man, I would just say be as involved as, as much as you can and in many ways as you can. And then bring along some of your church members who are, are your discipling or your mentoring to help them understand how to engage with the community in a different way. Most of the time, I think the declining church has said, we want the community to come to us. We're not going to go to the community. Or if we go to the community, we're going to go with some strings attached. But if you can mobilize a few folks in your church just to, to think about it in a different way, that then people will say, city council folks, business folks, education folks will say, man, have you met those people down at this church? And if, if your name is the same, if you are the same body, you know, by name, your church begins to get a new reputation or a different reputation. I think that's a, a wonderful, practical thing that you can do as a pastor and as people. Yeah, I think you can also leverage the assets that you have as far as your
0: facilities uh, to be an asset for the community. You you know offer up to in our community. There's like there's a, for some reason there's a ton of daycares in our community, but we've become like the venue for preschool and kindergarten graduations. There's a uh, organization in our community that serves victims of violent crime called justice coalition and every year they do an event called seasons to remember where every family member of and friend of people who have been murdered or been a victim of violent crime they invite them uh to our church on a uh, friday night every year and have a whole service with like sometimes district attorneys are there and government officials and news crews and for the last four years in a row i've gotten to preach the gospel at that event, uh, full of people that are victims of, of violent crime, and a lot of that's really just been like, "Hey, the doors are open." And what I always tell people is, "This is this; these facilities belong to the community. You got something going on in the community, and you need to use our facilities. Uh, use them, and so leverage that as a way to to show yourself as an advocate and a friend and an asset in the community."
1: Man, that's awesome. That's a good thing. So uh, the other thing I think is a reality is is changing the reputation of your church in the community takes a lot of time. Yeah. Uh, It just, it's going to take a lot of time. It's not done in one year or two years. You're probably talking four or five, six years uh, where people will, will over time as you engage in those, in those opportunities to serve the community by hosting them or getting your people out into the community or use the pastor leading that changes the reputation that your church has is over time. But if you just sit around and hope that it changes and, not do, and you don't do anything, it's not going to change. So you've got to be proactive and then you've got to give it time. One of the things I think uh, is super important is correcting misinformation. And so let's say something happened uh, at your church and somebody gets you know 30% of the story right and then fills in the rest. I think sometimes when you hear that, just by making a simple uh, phone call or sitting down with someone and having a conversation just to help them understand, hey, can I help you understand our story and where we are? And being proactive in that uh, to help people understand who you are. And when you have those conversations, what it does is it kind of resets the narrative. And and man, I, I, you know, consulting churches all the time. It's interesting. <laughs> churches talk about other churches, mm-hmm. uh, particularly declining churches talk about other declining churches. I I guarantee it, it seems like in in most of the situations I walk into, people have an idea of what they think happened at the church that's in decline, but they don't really understand the true story behind it. And so one of the the values of associational leadership or a cohort or a collective of pastors is really helping one another understand the true stories behind the churches. So I think that's important is to be proactive, not You know, so many times we want to be reactive and and react in defense of our congregation. And and we do need to defend our congregation as a shepherd, but there's a proactive side of it where we just walk towards misinformation. And I think in all of that, I would say, man, you got to let God be your defender. If we try to defend ourselves to people, it comes across uh, as being our own advocate. And especially if we're not engaging in some of the, the things that we've talked about in serving the community or loving the community. It's just we're out there trying to tell people a different story of ourselves without really being different.
0: Yeah, I think part of it as well is as you identify, are there still some of those things true? If things are uh, contributing to a negative reputation and being very intentional about discipleship, uh, about church discipline uh, and and understanding, hey, is, is there still an incredibly negative attitude or still... Part of that getting your members involved in the community is a discipleship process and mm-hmm. discipling them and leading them to understand their, their missional ecclesiological responsibility to be the light of the world, to, to go out and to be the city on the hill, to push back darkness in the community. I think it takes a long time for two reasons. One is it's just hard for anybody to change their reputation, any organization to change the reputation in the community once it's gone sour. But it also takes time on internally on the discipleship and, and leading the church to become the kind of church that, you know, the community needs is, is a long process of, of faithful, patient pastoring. And discipleship is that visionary shepherd piece of knowing where the church needs to go and just shepherding them through preaching, discipleship, and evangelism, how to get there.
1: One of the things I think is is important to keep in mind is really kind of two things. Is one you you will rarely win over those who are critical of you who will not engage with you and they just want to talk about you. That's just that's a a person or a group that's just gonna be really hard to to do anything with. And so I think. Giving energy to that, you just need to be wise in that. But I think you can win over your critics and those who have been perhaps frustrated with the church or offended by the church. You can win those folks over if you engage them uh, in a loving and patient way over time. And so I I think it's not um, again God is our defender, but there's part of our responsibility to to really engage with the folks to help them understand who we who we are becoming. Uh, and what God is doing and to do that in a winsome way, not a defensive way, not a kind of a promotion way, but just to say, Hey, you know, can I tell you the story about what's happening in our congregation right now? And can I hear your story too? I'd like to hear your story about maybe how your interactions with our church uh, impacted your life. And so I think we oftentimes when we're offended by people or we have broken relationships, the tendency for us is just to pull away and not ever interact. And not, it's not that we have to interact on a regular basis to, to win over some folks like that, but I think it's important to walk towards them in love and in grace. All
0: right, so just to summarize a little bit some of the points that we have made, uh, this is not an easy question to answer. One, you've got to understand what the community really thinks. You need to define reality, take a clear and honest, sober assessment of, of who you are and what the community thinks and what your church views. You need to help your church see that, right? Like the church has got to understand the way that they're viewed. They need to be able to see and understand. That as well. If there are things that need to be dealt with, you need to repent when where necessary. Personally, privately, publicly, you need to determine what are things that need to be owned and repented of. You need to become an asset to the community. You need to become an advocate for the community. You need to get out there as the pastor, uh, engage community leaders, engage schools, engage anybody you can to, to get involved in in seeing it's that Jeremiah 29 7, right? That uh, I want you, to, I want you to, to pray for and seek the welfare of the community where I've sent you into exile. We all love to quote Jeremiah 29.11, but twenty nine seven is really that really missional idea of, hey, you're here, so love these people, care about these people, care about where you are. Uh, as Sam Rayner loves to say, you're, the address of your church is, is not an accident. You're, you're where you are on purpose and you need to own where you are. So love and serve the community with no strings attached. Use the assets that you have. Leverage those assets for the community, your, your, your property, your facilities, those sorts of things. Be very honest. Give it a lot of time. Correct misinformation. Know that you're, you're, there's some people you're just not going to be able to win over, but win over who you can. And then ultimately let the Lord and the gospel be your defender.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. I, I think you know the thing that I love the most out of what you said as far as from our our experiences engage with no strings attached. I mean, just, just go love on people and serve on people. And, and, you know, God's going to open the doors for us to, to tell our story as Bob mentioned, and to tell what God's doing in our church today, as opposed to five years, 10 years, 15 years ago. Mm. Um, we're called the Serve No Strings Attached, and this uh, this whole experience um, listening to you guys is pure gold. Whatever you know, you're throwing out each week has been encouraging to me, even six and a half years in. So keep it up.
0: Good, thanks, thanks man. man. Thanks. It's encouraging to hear hear from you. Love seeing what God's been doing through you there. Well, good. We want to thank our sponsor, One Eighty Digital. Uh, One Eighty Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts love working with churches big and small. They've just launched two awesome new products to help churches plants replants. First one's called Launchpad. It's an all-in-one custom branding and website bundled developed specifically for planters, replanters, and revitalizers who need to get things moving quickly. The second is Church QuickSite. It was created for churches working with tight budgets. You can help them get an amazing new church website in as little as one week at a really affordable price. Check out 180.church. That's O-N-E e-i-g-h-t-y dot church to learn more about special new offerings and how 180 can help your church move forward